This is Andy Ho, host of the Continuing Education Series, a podcast produced for the members of the French Language Division of the American Translators Association, offering educational content about the craft of French-to-English and English-to-French translation and the division. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. We have a very exciting episode for you today. I have two guests, uh, Paul B. Gallagher and Enes Santizo. They are here from the Korean Language Division and the Spanish Language Division, respectively, here to talk about what it's like to run the largest and smallest language divisions of the ATA. Now, normally we uh, here at the ATA or at the FLD podcast focus on French, uh, subjects, because obviously that is of interest to our memberships. But I thought also, you know, we don't talk to the other language divisions that often. So I wanted to reach out to them and see what their lives were like and kind of compare them to each other and to ours. So a brief bit about our guests today. Paul B. Gallagher is a Russian to English translator celebrating his 38th year in business in May. Congratulations, Paul. He has a master's in linguistics from The Ohio State University and has also studied French, German, Polish, Bulgarian, Hebrew, and Sanskrit at the college level. He took up Korean in 2007, soaking up Korean dramas, K-pop, Korean cuisine, and working with Koreans in his local community to increase voter registration and engagement. As uh, he's gotten more into the Korean language and culture as his main hobby for the last 16 years, he was recruited by the KLD to be its administrator in 2019, and is now finishing up his second term. Edna is a court-certified interpreter with the California Judicial Council, a conference and community interpreter, and a translator. She was first elected administrator of the Spanish Language Division and is also on her second term. And as an ATA and SPD member since 2010, Edna was invited to join the Division's Leadership Council in 2016 as a member of the Digital and Social Media Committee. And then the next year, she was appointed chair of the committee. And that offered her a platform to learn about the inner workings of the ATA's largest language division by far, as we're going to discuss. So welcome, Edna. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. So quick numbers for you. Uh, I pulled this from the ATA's member directory. Edna, the Spanish language division has currently 2,073 members. French is a little less than half that at 931. And then, Paul, the Korean language division has 98. So that is quite the disparity. That is a factor of 10 or 20, really. Um, so, Edna, we'll start with you. Uh, what is it like to run a, a language division with so many people from so many different places all over the world? It's fun <laughs> and it's challenging, uh, as you can imagine. Um, the Spanish language division, aside from being one of the largest divisions of the ATA, it's also one of the oldest divisions. Um, so a lot of colleagues know each other because you know we're running to each other at the ATA conference. Um, so we we know a pretty good size of the members of the SPD, um, and that helps run the division. Aside from that. I am blessed to follow on the steps of some amazing leaders that have um, that did a lot of 
very good work in establishing the division, you know, creating committees, uh, working on the website and what have you. Um, and I also, I'm very lucky to have a, a group of volunteers that are committed and that are always, you know, willing to lend a helping hand when we have activities or what have you. So overall, I would say it's very fun and challenging. And Paul, what about you? What is it like to have a, a much smaller group of people to work with? Well, um, I I would like to start with one small correction. We just added a member, so we're at 99 today. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is, it is very interesting. Um, I enjoy working with Koreans, but there are certain cultural challenges because their mindset is often very different from the American mindset. Uh, they tend to be cliquish. Uh, if if you if you want to deal with Korean, it's it's best if you get an introduction from somebody they already know. Uh, but once once you get in, uh, they're very tight. Uh, I I really enjoy working with them, and the the size uh, has both advantages and disadvantages. Uh, the advantage, of course, is that you basically know everybody. Uh, the disadvantage is if you need uh, if you need somebody to do a particular task, it's harder to find someone if you have a smaller group to choose from. But uh, we we get by, we're fine. So that was going to be one of my first questions: is uh, would you each describe your divisions as close knit? Um, obviously, it's going to be much harder, Edna, for the Spanish language division for everybody to know each other. Um, yeah. But are, are there, you know, very close groups within that as well? I would say so. Um, and this is something that I've heard over the years. And, you know, I've been a witness of it, where people have met during an ATA conference and they become very good friends. They share, you know, work opportunities and they look forward to the next year to meet again at an ATA conference. Um, and they met because, you know, they were sad. They attended the annual dinner of the SPD or they attended an event of the SPD or because they found out that they're both SPD members. Um, so I don't think, you know, all 2000 members know each other. <laughs> that would be very hard. But yes, like you described, there are groups of people that are very close knit that have met at a, a SPD activity and that they remain, I mean, they become very close friends and, and work colleagues over the years. Paul, you said um, some of the members tend to be cliquish. Would you view the KLD as one big clique or are there sort of some sub cliques within it? In in any organization with, with more than about 10 people, they're going to be sub cliques. It's just by default. Uh, I, I would say that uh, the the Koreans compared to Americans again, um, the Koreans tend to be hardworking, very diligent, very committed to their duties. So once once you get somebody on board for something, they will they will push the limits to get it done. Uh, Americans, uh, by comparison, and uh, of course any group has has a mix, uh, but Americans compared to Koreans, I would call myself a shirker. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I mean, I think I'm working hard, and then I look at them, and wow. <laughs> um. 
so some of the advantages and disadvantages of, of the sizes of your divisions are obvious. Uh, but Paul, for your small division, do you have trouble finding volunteers or is do you have more volunteers stepping up because it's so close knit and everybody feels part of, of the group? Yes and no. It depends on how I how we approach them. And I didn't know this at first, but when I first got started, I would send a broadcast to my leadership council, which actually, even though we're recommended to have about 10 people, we, we at, at the beginning had about 12 or 13. I would send a broadcast to all of them and say, if anybody is interested in doing this, if anybody can help, please contact me. And I was getting no response. And I, I realized and people, people within the division uh, clued me in that I have to approach each one of them personally and say, you know, Kyung uh, can you help? Oh, can you do this? And that, make a specific ask to a specific person. And, and then they will answer. And more often than not, they'll, they'll say yes. But if I just send a broadcast, uh, they'll, they'll each wait for someone else to step up. You know, I have found that in the French language division as well, and also in other organizations I volunteer for, that may just be human nature. But Edna, I mean, you tell us, you have the biggest division. Is is that also true for the SPD? Yes, I know. Um, and can you repeat the question? I'm sorry. Yeah, um, if you send out a general call for volunteers, um, do you have millions of people stepping up, you know, leaping up to to volunteer because you have so many people, or right. um, do they just sort of hide behind each other because there's so many of them? <laughs> well, you know, actually, I think we are very lucky. We have a total of nine committees on the SPD. Each committee runs between, you know, three to seven members per committee, um, and. Like you mentioned at the beginning, this is the third year that I've been an uh, SPD administrator, and I haven't had any issues in finding volunteers. As to asking for a specific task, because we are, you know, very well structured. Um, you know, each committee has, you know, their area, and they know what they need to do, and they do it. Um, I do very little work, I would say, thankfully, in guiding the like the everyday operation. We have like special activities and special projects that we that we do. And that's where we get together and we plan and we decide, you know, who's gonna be doing what. Um, but it's it's been pretty good so far. Um, as to calling for volunteers, usually we at the ATA conference, uh, the administrator, the assistant administrators, we're always talking to people, to new members. And, you know, if they show interest in joining the the leadership council, we we try to take them in. We don't say no. Um, you know, we take volunteers uh, because we need them. And, and usually that's the case at the ATA conference. People approach us and they ask us if they can help. And we always say yes. And we tell them, you know, we have these committees, let us know where you think you can help us, and then we take it from there. So what are some of these subcommittees that you have, or committees? Um, we have the Digital and Social Media Committee. We have the Intercambios, uh, which is the SPD bulletin. Uh, we have a website committee. 
uh, student involvement, hospitality and public relationships. And let me see, I put a podcast. We also have a podcast committee. Paul, what about KLD? Do you guys have um, a newsletter or podcast or um, anything like that, social media? We we have, technically, we do have a blog and we do have uh, a Facebook page, but uh, there isn't a lot of activity there. Uh, as as you know, any blog is successful if, if there are frequent posts so people have a reason mm -hmm. to come and visit. Uh, most most of the stuff, most of the activity that we have goes through our listserv where somebody posts a message and all the members of, of the of the listserv get a copy in their email box. So they don't have to go looking for it. It comes to them. Um, what is your relationship, Paul, the KLD's relationship to some of the other language divisions? Do you ever partner with, say, Chinese or Japanese or any of the other divisions? We have explored uh, uh, connections with uh, Chinese and Japanese who are our natural partners. Um, if, if, you know, if you know English, obviously half of what you know is from French uh, because of the, the Norman Conquest. And so if, if we want to say go back, we can also say return. And return is the French equivalent of the Anglo-Saxon go back. In Korean, uh, the, the corresponding uh, parent language, so to speak, uh, is, is Chinese. They're not genetically related, but uh, Korean has borrowed thousands and thousands of Chinese words. And they pronounce them pretty close to the Middle Chinese version in about 500 AD. And they, the, the Korean pronunciations sound a lot like the Cantonese pronunciations, which have not changed a lot. Uh, but Mandarin, because of the Mongol influence and the conquests over there, has changed a lot. And so, you know, the common name Kim, uh, which originally sounded more like Kam, uh, is now Jin in Mandarin and doesn't sound like Kim in Korean. Uh, similarly, uh, Japanese has borrowed thousands and thousands of Chinese words, and they've also borrowed the writing system and supplemented it with their own. So you can look at a character in Japanese and understand the meaning, but maybe not be so sure about the pronunciation. So th there is this natural cross-cultural, uh, and I should also say uh, Buddhism and Confucianism have, have migrated from the continent onto the peninsula and and the Japanese islands. So there there's a lot of that. The mindset, the the thought process has has uh, has some has similarities. Uh, we have tried a couple of times to uh, put together joint uh, presentations at ATA. So far, it hasn't worked out, and it won't work out this year. You know, everything has been set, but uh, I do hope that someday soon. Uh, that that CJK will join forces and and put together a joint presentation. And now, what about you? Uh, yes, we have collaborated with other divisions. Um, I know that we have collaborated with the audiovisual division. Uh, we are looking forward to collaborating with the uh, interpreters division this year. I'm hoping that that happens and. 
can't, I can't remember right now, you know, specific uh, collaborations, but yes, we usually reach out to other uh, divisions because our members, you know, we're Spanish division, but our members are, their specializations are, you know, you know, audiovisual, medical, yeah, they're interpreters, they're working to the legal field. So we have members in other divisions and that's why uh, we try to collaborate. Um, also, we try to publish on the Intercambios um, Bulletin um, articles related to those specializations and usually members from other divisions are the ones who are contributing to those articles. Do either of you have um, special events for your divisions at the annual ATA conference besides the annual meeting for members? Uh, took... oh, go, go ahead, Paul. Oh, thank you. We do. We have what we call our annual dinner, TSPD annual dinner. It's called Muchas Culturas, Un Solo Idioma, Many Cultures, One one Language. And it is very well known uh, in our division, I think with other divisions too. We usually have about 100 people in our annual dinner. We have a very famous raffle uh, that takes place at the end of the dinner. And we have, you know, so many prices. We have licenses for travels, for workers, uh, books, uh, webinars, workshops. Uh, what I mean, we 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 try to you know celebrate our members uh, at our annual dinner, and it's uh, a networking event. It's uh, an opportunity to be you know outside of the conference setting and just relax, enjoy the dinner, and and get to know. Uh, one another and it's uh it's very fun and it's uh it's one of the traditions that we have for the annual conferences paul yes uh we do also have an annual dinner and and uh, it it draws a substantial uh i i would say typically two-thirds or more of the attendees go to our come to our dinner uh uh, Korean food is delicious. If you've had it, you know. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't, uh, one of the things I especially like about it is what they call panchan, the side dishes. Uh, you don't just serve an entree and a drink, but mm -hmm. uh, six, seven, eight, ten, sometimes more little side dishes. So you, you've got uh, six, seven, eight, ten or more different flavors mixing in with, with your entree. I had read about banchan. I don't know how you say it, but um, the first time I actually experienced it, it was overwhelming in the best possible way. It just kept coming <laughs> and there was so much of it and they were so different. It was, I thought, why doesn't every culture do this? This is amazing. <laughs> I used to work for um, Koreans uh, before I became a translator and interpreter. And yes, I love the Korean food. I, I, I'm a witness of it. <laughs> I'd be interested to know, Edna, uh, mm -hmm. Korean is a small country, uh, well populated, but relatively small, and uh, pretty much everyone can understand everybody. Mm -hmm. But I understand that there are a lot of Spanishes across the world. Mm -hmm. I was I was especially impressed when I saw the movie Walk the Line. Uh, the Spanish title is La Locura de Johnny y June. It's about Johnny Cash. Mm -hmm. And I discovered that it has not only... Uh, Spanish subtitles, but Spanish audio as well. Mm -hmm. But but they were done by people from two different countries. 
one from Mexico, one from Peru. Mm. So, so if you turn them both on, you get two different sets of, of two different scripts. Right. Uh-huh. Do you find any difficult difficulty understanding Spanish speakers from other countries? It varies. Yes, they people from Spain versus people from Argentina. I'm from Guatemala, so it's a very different dialect of Spanish. Uh, from Mexico, Mexico also has like many different dialects within Mexico, um, but we understand each other. I think uh, there is something that not everybody agrees on, but there is something called neutral Spanish, um, ah. and we're 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 able to understand each other. Obviously, there are nuances, especially with. Um, you know, jokes, humor, bad words, you know, um, um, then, you know, each country has its, its, its own twist to, to that. So that may be difficult. And obviously there's, you know, those words that have one meaning in one country and a completely different meaning in another country. And, you know, we'll make fun of those words. And of course we use them because we know, (laughs) you know, they're going to be a, a, a very good conversation topic. Um, but I think overall, we're able to understand each other pretty well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, final question that I ask all of my interviewees. Uh, is there anything else you would like people to know at all? Edna, I'll start with you. Um, well, I think there is this conception sometimes. Um, that's what I've heard. That because the Spanish division is so big that it's not approachable sometimes or that you know the volunteers are handpicked or you know that we are not willing to collaborate with other divisions because we are so big Uh, but that's not the case (laughs) please reach out to us if you need any help if we can support in promoting your events your content if you have a podcast and you want us to to help you um please reach out and if you want to volunteer also you will be more than welcome to join us um and yeah that's well, it i i was going to say much the same thing so mm-hmm. thank you edna for saying it so well uh mm-hmm. the korean language division always welcomes new members we're happy to to have you to to join with mm-hmm. you uh to to welcome you in and and uh what should I say? Also say, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, it's how, when, when somebody arrives and you want to welcome them, typically that's what they say. Mm-hmm. Also, oh, say, oh, which is literally, uh, quickly come yeah. in a polite form. It, it would be like, oh, stay in, in Spanish or vous right. in French. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you guys for being here. Um, I, I think we should maybe think about some collaborations with each other. Absolutely. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Maybe uh, maybe stay tuned, people. And also, if you want to be the 100th KLD member, sign up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get a to- you get a free toaster. <laughs> <laughs> Just <Awesome>. kidding. Kidding. No, let me show. All right. Okay. Thank you. So, thank you, thank Andy, you. Andy, for for hosting this. Yeah, thank you, Andy. Appreciate it. This concludes our episode for today. You can subscribe to the Continuing Education Series podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for Continuing Education Series. 
You can contact the FLD at divisionfld at atanet.org, visit our website at www.ata-divisions.org slash FLD, or get in touch with us on social media. This is Andy Ho signing off. Thanks for listening and a bientôt.